Welcome to Curious Coaching, the Sport Northern Ireland podcast for coaches who are driven to explore new ways, thirsty for new ideas, and passionately curious about how they can maximise the power of sport through great coaching. The podcast that seeks not to answer coaching questions, but to provoke them. Hello and welcome to this month's Curious Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Michael Cook and myself, Simon Toole. Uh, today with us, we've got uh, a colleague of ours um, in Sport Northern Ireland uh, Sports Institute, uh, Debbie Hanna, uh, who has done a lot of coaching in her spare time and, and previous athlete as well. Um, so Debbie, give us a little bit of an introduction to you, I suppose your athletic background and, and how that took you into coaching. Um, hi, thanks very much for inviting me along today. Um yeah, so I am a sailor. I've always sailed a single-handed dinghy. So I probably started about the age of four at my local club um, and just would have sailed in the summers and um, the weekly racing that they would have. Then from the age of 12, I started traveling around Northern Ireland and doing regional events and it then into national level events as well. And then I first got selected to represent Ireland at the age of 14 in one of the junior classes at the Europeans. So really since I was 14, I've been selected to for those different representative um, stages and have gone through then to start an Olympic campaign after university. So campaigned around the Beijing Olympics, unfortunately didn't get selected. Um, and then I retired at the ripe old age of 27 after um, after a few years on that like an international campaign trail. Brilliant Debbie and and you then um, I think we'll, there'll be lots to draw on and, and no doubt you've drawn on lots of your um, career as a, as a sailor in terms of your coaching but how, how did you then drift into coaching from from that point? Um, I think in sailing there's always opportunities even as a, as a as a youth to help with coaching and to instruct beginners at your club and for me, I did that um, around Northern Ireland at different clubs. Whenever I was 18, I was a senior instructor. Um, and then whenever I was sailing as well, kind of maybe towards the tail end of my career, I started getting into coaching. So I suppose once you have done a few international events and people know who you are and think you can make a boat go fast or maybe interested in hearing what you have to say and think you can help them go faster too. So I got into doing a bit of coaching then. Um, whenever I was sailing, uh, which was useful. And then once I finished sailing, I became like one of the head coaches in the Northern Ireland performance squads at junior level and then in the youth level as well. Um, and then also have, have coached some of the Irish teams as well at, at youth level. Brilliant, Debbie, thank you. So it actually might be worth, um, it might be worth, and neither of us come from a sailing background either, but it might be worth just for a few people who are listening. Could you explain briefly the, the difference between an instructor and a coach in, in sailing? Because that term, a lot of sports wouldn't have two terms that yeah. might mean slightly different things within their sport. Yeah, I suppose like I, I probably realised this after a lot of years in that I always called myself an instructor, whereas in every other sport, they called themselves a coach. Um, so in the RYA, our governing body in the UK, um, there's different stages that you have to have your qualifications in place. So you start out, out as an assistant instructor maybe when you're 14 15 and then when you're 16 you become a, a dinghy instructor and then you can become a senior instructor when you're 18 but you have to have like you know those strict kind of qualifications and um, as you go along and at that level it's really just about 
the introduction to the basics of sailing and keeping people safe and having fun. Um, but then you can go on and do your coaching levels, uh, level two and level three. And most people probably would have done a little bit of instructing before they would become a coach. Um, but it is possible just to go straight into being a coach if you're if you're an experienced racer. Brilliant. Thanks, Debbie. Debbie, we, we were having a, a little bit of a conversation about the context of, of sailing coaching just before we, we, we had record. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, the autonomy that's offered to, to young sailors or, or, or sailors that are, that are out there in the water. It's not particularly like, say, a field sport where the coach is potentially on the sideline and um, being able to give like quite uh, readily available feedback um, from a short distance. The sailors are quite far out a lot of the time. Yeah. How, how do you deal with that autonomous nature where the athletes take that autonomy? And, and I think Simon used the word empowered. They're, they're empowered to do their own thing. Yeah, um, it is, it, it's difficult in, in sailing to even coach on the water when you're in training because you're, you're competing against the wind and the waves and the noise of the sail. And there's lots of, and the noise of the engine of your boat as you're trying to follow them around the course that you're, you've set for them. So that communication is difficult. So a lot of the time you find yourself shouting and I'm sure t- uh, teachers at the start of the school year go hoarse. <laughs> I always find <laughs> that I like whenever I start coaching in the winter that I lose my voice very quickly because you just spend so much time trying to get your message across. So you kind of have to be a bit smarter about how you communicate to them. So um, we take a lot of video um, and then feedback, we spend a lot of time in the briefing room before and after sailing, um, like talking about what we're going to do on the water, making sure they have that understanding of what the drills are, what they're trying to get out of it. Um, and then after sailing, we'll go through some of the videos and give them examples of like good practice, let them have an opportunity to ask questions. So they don't get so much immediate feedback, um, mm-hmm. which isn't always ideal, but that's just the situation that we're faced with. Um, so that's in training, but then in racing, it's a totally different ball game because you can't even go close to the boats whenever they're racing. So I wouldn't be allowed to follow them around the course. I can mm-hmm. stay around the perimeter of the course um, that's set for the race. Otherwise, we would get penalised and I'm not allowed to communicate with them once we're into the starting sequence and during the race. So couldn't even cheer them on if they were leading a race <laughs> communication so you just have to sit in silence watch what you can and then as soon as that sailor finishes the race try and get over to them and between then and the next race have some um have some time for feedback but like you say because they have to be autonomous what we try and create is like non-dependent sailors so they're not just looking to their coach for feedback yeah. that we're there to prompt them and ask them what did they do or why did they do something why did they make a decision or and um, what did they notice so conditions are changing in sailing all the time like the wind constantly changes direction and um, like the wind speed changes up and down waves change where the other boats are in the course change so it's not just a case of telling the sailor before the race right the wind is in this phase you need to go right and you'll win the race you know (laughs) something's going to change so they need to be able to make decisions as they see these factors um you know coming towards them so they really have to be like non-dependent um independent thinkers as well yeah and 
like a lot of the times we'll talk to coaches and they'll, they'll speak about the coaching environment. And usually it might mean the psychological environment, but also the physical environment that, that surrounds the athlete. But you, your physical environment has a lot of different uh, contexts going on, as you mentioned there, with the, the, the wind and the, you know, just the, the conditions out there. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know how you, you'd said there also, you got to take a big step back um, during competition. How, how do you control your emotions at that point as a coach? I know some some coaches in field sports, they'll actually go and sit up in the stands because they, you know, but that's your default position, you know, taking that step back to, to, to coach afterwards, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can just turn and look the other way if it's going wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely find yourself like you getting very nervous for them and if they're doing well and you're just, you're just so, I don't know, just thinking about all the different emotions I've felt over the years when you're watching your sailors you know you either see them doing something you're like what is going on and you just you can't even shout at them to tell them to go the other way yeah so, um, I don't I'd, know. I'd imagine there's a fair bit of self self-regulation going on there as a coach trying to uh you know stay stay in the in, in a calm place I, I probably realized during my time as a coach how difficult I was as a sailor <laughs> how difficult yeah. I probably was to coach at times so um yeah, definitely probably had a few moments of self-reflection years too late um, on my own <laughs> like, performances. Is, is there a comeback on the cards, Debbie? <laughs> well. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> no, no, I just want to put that out there. To clear, definitely no. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, hindsight's 2020, isn't it? Um, yeah. And. You, you've coached a number of different levels. So you, you, you mentioned going in right at that introductory level to, to people who are, you know, looking at world championships and so on. Um, what, what's been your experience right across the pathway then? Is, do you have a preference of, of uh, which domain you coach in or have you learned lots from, from all those groups? Yeah, no, I definitely like there's enjoyment across all those different levels. And um, like you say, I'm involved in a club again. Now. I've been on the, the committee and I organize the training and the junior sort of side of things for my club. So I enjoy, enjoy seeing the progression there and I enjoy seeing the kids coming in and having fun and like even seeing them then go on and maybe start racing as well. You definitely need a lot of patience at that end. You're There's a lot of repetition, um, but I've also begun to realize the more I've been involved that it is about fun at that level because if people are going away with a bad experience or they're scared, um, you know, because it is scary, you're in a boat by yourself in the sea. If you fall in, you know, like it's up to you to get yourself back out. Yes, there, there'll be somebody on the water for safety. Um, so it's up to you to be kind of be that calm um, sort of presence there for them and let them know that they can do it and uh, get back in and, and keep come back another day. Um, so I do enjoy that. But yeah, performance level, I definitely enjoy when there's a world championships or European championships that you get to prepare your sailors for and bring them to. And like I loved competing um, whenever I was a sailor. So you just get to go to so many amazing places and just see what those youths and teens can achieve and the environments that they're learning in is just brilliant so I like to see that development and also them developing as you know as people you know like the friendships yeah. they make and the experience they're having it's just brilliant to see so and you meant you mentioned a, a load of wonderful places what, what's been your favorite uh, location to coach <laughs> or, or race um I don't know, like there's so many amazing countries. Um, 
love Australia and New Zealand, obviously, just with the weather and the, the cultures there. But, you know, being to, to Brazil and South America and um, training in the south of France in the winter rather than training in Northern Ireland's pretty nice. You know? Yeah. So, um, can't really complain about anywhere that I've had to be. be no. so. All of this is sound absolutely lovely uh, right now. Um, I, I've been I've been the Lars coaching Michael <laughs> at West Coast of Scotland. That's as far as I've got. So uh, very jealous, very jealous of that. <laughs> and and, and coaching, have you? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I did take a boat together. Oh well, that that kind of counts then, I, I guess. Um, so Debbie, what one of, one of the standard questions that we have on on the podcast, and we ask every coach that comes on, is what you're currently curious about. Um, is there something in coaching right now that's making you quite curious, making you quite interested? Um, yeah, well, I'm kind of at the stage of my coaching where I've taken a bit of a step back. So I've you know, been coaching in the Northern Ireland and Irish performance squads for about 10, 12 years. Um, so I'm taking a bit of a step back for family time. Um, but I am involved in my club, like I said. So I think what I'm curious about is how the pathway links and how to strengthen that pathway. So I would like to see my club being a strong club that is developing lots of sailors for the future and that they can go on for success, but also that they have that lifelong enjoyment on, in the sport. So um, I definitely spend a lot of time at the club level at the minute and bringing on instructors and coaches and developing that side of things so that then we can have a good pathway of sailors coming through as well absolutely and i think you know when we get back to sport eventually like the, the clubs are going to be so important in terms of providing that outlet for for people who have probably missed their sport for well well over a year you know yeah yeah difficult and um, we're just at that stage now where we're planning the next few weeks as to how we can get back to it but it has its own challenges as well which um, I'll not la- elaborate too much on, but, you know, like in sailing, you would tend to want another person in the boat with you when you're learning. So it's difficult to teach somebody when you're not allowed to get within two metres of them. Yeah. So, like, unfortunately, we haven't been able to, like, take beginners for the last year. So I don't know if that's going to continue this year or we'll just concentrate on the guys who've already started sailing and, and can, can develop a bit. But Yeah, f- fingers crossed we get we get people back out there uh, as, as yeah. soon as we can. Um. And in terms of your, your own learning, um, so again, we're, we're always really interested in, in, in a coach's learning. Has there been any really profound learning experiences that have helped you develop as a coach down the years? Um, I think this is probably dealing with different groups um, of my squads that I've, had, that I've met and come across along the years. Um, you go in as a coach like with you know your philosophy or how you're what you're going to do for the day and how you're going to do it but at the end of the day you need those sailors to be at that level and to give you the feedback and um you know to to perform those tasks to be able to move on then through through your program so um yeah the the sailors that I've had have been at maybe different stages or they're, they're all a bunch of individuals they all sail individual um boats but they come together as a squad so I need to teach them to work together as a group. So you've basically got a team of individuals. <laughs> um, so they make it, they make the sessions what they are. So we spend a lot of time um, developing the squad environment and um, thinking about teamwork, about them being open about their learning because they can learn so much from each other. 
And then also, like, we know, I can't um, speak to them between races all the time, but they can speak to each other. So, you know, they, they could even help each other through those things. So they're definitely just learning how to get the best out of people and, and adapting. Adaptability probably is my biggest learning, like trying to adapt yeah. what I'm doing to them and their needs. It sounds like a lot of, like we've had different coaches mention, say like, um, you know, working underneath another coach or maybe a, a formal learning activity, which which has really helped them. But it sounds like a lot of your learning has came in situ, um, experiential learning, um, actually going and doing something and, and sitting down to reflect on it. Has that been, it sounds like that's, that's pretty much what uh, the most profound learning experience has been for you? Yeah, yeah. Debbie, one thing you were when you were chatting through with Michael, or um, you were talking about, um, I suppose it came across actually that the the guys that you're coaching, a lot of life skill stuff comes comes out of your coaching, and I know um a lot of coaches that we would talk about would would talk about that and how that can develop through their coaching, and, and it, it absolutely can. But it, it sounds like maybe the sailing environment in particular, in terms of taking responsibility and all those sorts of things. Uh, that comes through quite strongly. So what types of life skills do you think are, are coming through there that, that sailing might um, and coaching and sailing might uniquely develop? <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, w- one of the things is like, the, like I would have coached when I started coaching the junior squad, they would be from the age of 11 to 15. And then the youth squad is generally age 15 to 18. So whenever I start coaching the 11 year olds and their parents drive them down and unpack their bag and take their boat off for them and rig their boat and put their lunch in the changing rooms and all that kind of stuff and I would always be trying to like cut the cord you know like parents go away you're not needed your sailor can rig their own boat and and then there would be people like my mom didn't pack my lunch or my my wetsuit's still wet from last you know from last week and you're like this is your responsibility (laughs) so you're kind of trying to like break them away from that and I know like they're only young and it took me probably a long time to to be a bit more tolerant of of those needs that they still had on their parents but and their parents want to help them um which you know I was just trying to shove them out of the boat park as quickly as possible so yeah just trying to get them to take responsibility that their nutrition their hydration whether their kit's all there whether they've done their repairs like need to tell your dad or your mom that something broke today so when you turn up next week it's not still broken and you waste an hour or or you lose the day because you haven't done anything about it so really just them taking responsibility for it's their kit and it's their day that it's up to them whether it's a success or not because once they go on the water their parents aren't there they're out there for five hours I might not even be there you know if they're at an event they just have to go to the start line and you know follow the instructions of the race get around the course wait for the next race do it then go in and they can tell their mum that their sandwiches were wet but um nobody's there to solve those problems for them when they're on the water oh brilliant i think there's uh there's lots to be had and and i know we were chatting just before we started to record about um experience that i had of of uh of being out on a rib and seeing sailing action uh, sailing coach in action um, a couple of years ago and, and definitely for me as a field sport coach um, I find it a really useful experience to see that environment because uh, there's so much to learn from it as a field sport coach of, of going and seeing that so that, you, sorry you, you told us you're absolutely terrified of the water but that, that is you, let, you left that bit out that is 100% true that's documented somewhere else <laughs> but that's definitely true um, Debbie th- this one I think is is one of the hardest 
questions that we asked during the podcast. And I think it's so hard is because generally speaking, every coach that we talk to is a really humble person and they're sort of reluctant to tell us, to tell us about things that do well. But is there something that you have as like a super strength, as a as a, something unique in your coaching that you think, well, that's, that's something I bring to it? And what tends to be an easier question to follow that up is, is there, um, if there's a superpower, is there a kryptonite um, in your coaching and something that you look out for there? Yeah, you're right. I, I hate this question. Um, I definitely wouldn't be one that's just going to turn around and say, oh, I'm brilliant at this. Because <laughs> I don't think that I'm, there's definitely room for improvement in everything. And I'm sure some of the sailors I've had over the years, if they're unfortunate enough to listen to this, will probably be um, shouting things at the screen what my kryptonite is. Um, yeah, in terms of superpower, I had to think about this. And I think what I like to do is create challenge and I, I kind of thrive on that and I enjoy that. Like I'll literally have a smile on my face if I see like sailors achieving something that is difficult, you know, so in those conditions where you haven't experienced any windy conditions, Simon, in your, your day on the boat, unfortunately, but so you don't really have the flavor of what this is like. But <laughs> in windy conditions where it's just like, you're just hanging on and you're working so hard and the waves are coming over your head and you're get, you can't hear anything and you're getting blown out of the boat and you're, it's just really tough. And to see people achieve, um, you know, or come off the water and know that they've achieved something. Like I enjoy creating those situations that, make them uncomfortable and then um and then th that in turn increases their skill level so um you know just building drills that make them more complex so you do start off with your simple drill in those conditions and then I like to make things more challenging by either putting my boat in the way so they have to avoid me or making more boats get in the same situation on top of each other so it makes it more tricky and they have to negotiate and navigate that um, and you see them capsizing and falling in but they're learning from that but I love like I, I don't know whether I'm just sadistic and I take enjoyment from that but I think that they get a lot from that because then they've learned that they can cope in those conditions and then hopefully they'll thrive in those challenging conditions as well yeah um, that's that's really interesting I think there, there's a, um, a colleague of ours that we've been working with recently who talks about desirable difficulty and as a coach creating desirable difficulty and that sounds very much like what you're describing there and again I think it's another thing and um, that people yeah. could be considering about how they can build those little speed bumps into their coaching yeah, yeah. Uh, you know where people um people who was it um uh, comfort those who need comfort and challenge those who need challenge um and that certainly sounds like it, it's coming across I like to call it mayhem <laughs> brilliant and, and a, a kryptonite Debbie yeah, um, I'm not willing just to tell you what I'm terrible at, but um, <laughs> I think I think probably confidence is 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 what my kryptonite is. So um, I would probably not be the one to put my hand up and say, "Yep, yeah, I'll do this or I'll teach that or I'm brilliant," you know, at, at, at this particular skill. But I think the more time I spent with other coaches and in other in you know with in those environments I realized that they weren't saying anything different to me but I still wouldn't um champion myself and and think that I'm you know got the best knowledge or the best person to tell those sailors or um bring those sailors along that journey so I don't know if that counts as what my coaching kryptonite would be definitely definitely uh definitely does I know that the uh, the imposter syndrome um comes across sometimes even though you you're the right person to be there you maybe sometimes uh Sometimes confidence can hold all of us back, I think. 
Um, so the last one for me, Debbie, before I hand across to Michael to, to sort of see us out um, at the end is around your coaching environment, the coaching environment you create. So if, if we were to walk in um, to, the, to the club um, tomorrow or the next time that we are actually able to go into to a sports venue, uh, what will we see, feel and hear um, that would tell us a little bit about your coaching practice? Um, I think, I think it would be enjoyment. I would hope it would be enjoyment. Um, I would like to, I would like you to feel that the sailors were being engaged. So it's not just a case of me, like we've talked about creating non-dependent sailors. It's not just a case of me telling them what's happening or what they're going to do or, or what it's going to feel like, but trying to get that feedback from them, um, and engagement so that you, you, they understand what's going on and that, that they actually want to be part of the session um, and then maybe challenge that would be the other part of the environment that there would be um, you would be asking them questions and challenging their thinking so that that would really be I, I, I like to think it's fun I don't know whether they'd all say it was fun um, but definitely then challenge and engagement in the room. Brilliant Thanks, Thank, Debbie. Thank you Debbie and just fi final question um what advice would you give to someone who's potentially coming to the end of their competing days um, in relation to getting into coaching? Um, yeah, I, I find coaching really useful while I was sailing, while I was still competing. Um, like I said, like I've reflected a bit since then and probably learned a lot more and, and think I could have done a better job of my sailing had I been more reflective or thought about it from a coaching point of view. Um, so definitely getting into coaching as soon as you can um, will help your sailing as well. Uh, but yeah, you just if you wanted to get into coaching, you need to get on, look at the qualifications that you need to make sure that um, you're getting some experience and helping out at your club and then being able to to, to get those qualifications. Um, but I think a lot of patience and adaptability um, to be a coach because you're not just going to go in and shout your message and, and have success. Like you, need to, you need to listen and, and learn what your group's like and, and, and adapt your message accordingly. Uh, absolutely. Um, coaching what's in front of you, some people have, have, have said, you know, and, and seeing the, the person in front of you. Debbie, that, that's all the questions we have for you. Um, We'd like to thank you very much for, for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been really insightful just to find out. Um, we've obviously known each other's colleagues for years, but didn't necessarily know your coaching story and, and how you got into coaching and um, the, the lessons you've learned along the way. So thank you for sharing that with us here this morning. And um, we're now into double figures of the, the, the podcast. So we're, uh, we're, we're continuing to, to bring one out every month. To all the listeners, um, thank you very much for, for tuning in and um, listening to what the coaches have to say around Northern Ireland and the sporting system in Northern Ireland. Debbie, we'll, we'll no doubt speak to you again soon, but thank you very much in the meantime. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. Simon, an, another enjoyable interview. Uh, Debbie gave us a really good insight into, into her career uh, as, a, as a coach. Um, and how she's developed over time. You and I have both uh, talked about, about her thoughts before we, we pressed record again, but one of the things that really jumped out was how sailing really allows for autonomous development uh, of, of the young participants and athletes. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think, well, firstly, a really enjoyable conversation with Debbie. I think when you talk about coaching with Debbie, she does she does light up. You know, it, it is a real passion of hers. So uh, really good to spend an hour with her um, chatting about that. But yeah, on the autonomy, I think all sports have the potential to do that um, or the vast majority of them. But certainly the experience I have, which is only one one visit um, of getting alongside a sailing coach in, in the rib for the day out with, with the kids as they were competing, um, it was such an eye-opener for me. And I thought Debbie really built on that um, for people who were listening in to, to what she had to say about um, the ability to create independent decision makers who can read the environment and stuff like that. I also think even that bit, she talked to Brown uh, about the peer support or, or helping each other because obviously as a coach, you're not allowed to interact with the athlete during, um, during competition. Um, but the, the sailors, if they're you know, sort of part of the same group, they can do. Um, so that, that, again, was another real life skill, uh, you know, autonomous um, decision-making uh, quality that, that I think sailing has, um, has to offer. And I, I, I genuinely do think that if any, any coach in, in um, maybe some of the field sports or whatever, if it was something you were interested in and, and you're not too far from a sailing club, it would be really good to make contact and see if you could spend a day with one of their coaches uh, just to see it for yourself and, and see if there's anything you can take from that for, for, for your own coaching. Definitely. And, you know, I speak to a lot of coaches a lot of the time and talk about they want to make effective decision makers. They want to make people who, you know, when the game changes, they, they can adapt. And um, sometimes when we're coaching from the sidelines and, and potentially over coaching, we take that opportunity away for, for them to make their own decisions. And one of the bits that Debbie mentioned was about being patient and being, being really patient. And I think that's a really, really important quality for a coach uh, to be able to take a step back, to be patient, to allow development to happen over time um, and, and just afford those opportunities that people can make decisions, they can make mistakes and feel okay about that and learn from it and have those reflective uh, positions afterwards where they, where they go, right, well, actually, what would I do better next time? Because um, it gives them ownership of, of, of their own engagement in, in the sport. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's been a, a useful episode. Definitely. I, I've taken some from, from my coaching. Hopefully if people are listening along, they're going to think now, well, actually, is there anything um, that has got me thinking differently or, or highlighted something to me on how they can use that in their coaching, which would, which would be great. Um, so uh, just on, uh, I suppose on behalf of the two of us, again, big thanks to Debbie for, for giving up the time to, to have the conversation with us. And, and thanks again everybody who's listened in and we'll catch you on the next episode thank you curious coaching is brought to you by sport northern ireland we hope that this episode has sparked some curiosity for you and your coaching the future belongs to the curious